0: Hi, everyone. I'm Gretchen Rubin, and you're listening to Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Today's show, I'm excited to share, is part of the Dell Technologies Small Business Podference. Small businesses are constantly looking for ways to advance their marketing strategies and grow their companies. That's why Dell Technologies assembled an all-star lineup of podcasters to create this year's virtual conference to share advice and inspiration for small businesses. I hope that you find this episode both inspiring and useful as we work together to support small businesses. Dell Technologies is here to help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro to provide relevant content for your business successes. To find more participating podcasts, search for Dell Technologies Small Business Podfriends on the Odyssey app, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at the end of this episode. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about strategies and solutions for bringing more happiness into our daily lives. This is a bonus episode presented by Dell Technologies. It's just one of many podcasts included in the Small Business prints presented by Dell Technologies, all about encouraging and inspiring small businesses. Today, we'll be talking about using self-knowledge to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more successful as a small business owner by using my personality framework, The Four Tendencies. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in my home office in New York City And joining me today from her temporary work location in Puerto Rico is my sister, the showrunner, Elizabeth Kraft.
1: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretch, currently shooting a show in Puerto Rico. And I'm also a proud obliger. Yes, we will get into that. (laughs) Whenever the subject of how to be happier comes up by getting more sleep, exercising, reading more, or whatever it might be, and whenever people are talking about how to work more effectively with clients, customers, and coworkers, I always think about the four tendencies. Yeah. It is so helpful, especially now that everything is changing and we're entering this post COVID world.
0: Yeah. You know, I have to say, I think it really is a tool that many people find useful. The Four Tendencies is a personality profile that I created that divides people into four tendencies, (laughs) upholder, questioner, obliger, or rebel. And when you know someone's tendency and when you know your own tendency, you can really set yourself up for success. You can understand why you're miscommunicating with someone. You can understand why you're procrastinating and how to fix it. You can understand why somebody maybe is doing something that seems inexplicable or irritating (laughs) to you, but that makes perfect sense from their perspective.
1: Yeah, now, Gretch, I'm an obliger, as I mentioned. You're an upholder. Yes. Yes. Um, Explain what this means and why it matters.
0: Yeah, okay. So I will run quickly through the framework so our listeners can identify themselves, and they will probably also identify some of their clients, their customers, their coworkers,
1: Yeah, Gretchen, it can sometimes be very easy to figure out someone's (laughs) tendency.
0: Yes, yes. It's it's often very blatant. So I'll go through that so people can situate themselves. Then we'll go back through and talk about how the tendencies might come up for small business owners, whether they're trying to work more effectively with clients or customers, or if they're trying to manage themselves or their own teams. So what the four tendencies looks at, and this sounds kind of dry <laughs> when I start, but it, it does get juicy, um, is it looks at how you respond to expectations. So we all face two kinds of expectations, outer expectations like a work deadline and inner expectations like your own New Year's resolution. So depending on whether you meet or resist outer or inner expectations, that's what makes you an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel.
1: Okay, Gretchen, so you're an upholder. Explain what upholders are.
0: So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what other people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. They tend to love calendars and schedules, execution, to-do lists. They're very focused on getting things done, both for themselves and for other people. So their motto is, Discipline is my freedom. These are the people
1: who are like, I want to run a marathon and then they train and they run a marathon.
0: <laughs> well, <While> others <laughs> yeah. of us
1: are like, I want to run a marathon and never do. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, what about questioners? So, questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. They're looking for justification, reasons, rationale. So, if something meets their inner standard, if it makes sense to them for what they think is good sense, they will do something, no problem. If it fails their inner standard, they will push back. So they are the people that always need to know why. So their motto is, I'll comply if you convince me why.
1: <laughs> and Gretchen, you're married to a questioner and our dad is a questioner. So we've yeah, got some
0: so, questioners in our lives. Yes, yes.
1: Okay, and then what about obligers? I'm an obliger, and that's a, the biggest category.
0: That is. For both men and women, obliger is the biggest tendency. And yes, you're an obliger. And obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So I got my first insight into this tendency when a friend said to me, you know, it's strange. I know I'm happier when I exercise. And when I was in high school, I was on the track team, and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? Well, when she had a team and a coach expecting her to show up, no problem. But when she was trying to go running on her own, it was a struggle. So the key for obligers, and we've talked about this so many times, the key for obligers is outer accountability. If you want to read more, join a book group. If you want to exercise more, you work out with a friend who's annoyed if you don't show up. You work out with a trainer. You uh, take your dog for a run who's so disappointed if she doesn't get to go. You raise money for a charity. You think about your future self. You need that outer accountability. It's not self-care, it's not motivation, it's not getting clear on your priorities, it's outer accountability. So their motto is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me.
1: (laughs) And finally, Gretchen, the most intriguing tendency, the rebel. (laughs) Tell us about rebels.
0: Yes, this is the smallest tendency, though it's it's a conspicuous tendency. It's a small tendency. And I think it's often the most misunderstood tendency because it's the most unlike the other three tendencies. Mm. So rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way and in their own time. They can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they choose to do. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically, they don't tell themselves what to do. Like, they don't decide that they're going to sign up for a 10 a.m. woodworking class on Saturdays <laughs> because they think, I don't know what I'm going to want to do on Saturday, and just the idea that someone's expecting me to show up is going to bug me. Um, so their motto is, you can't make me, and neither can I. <laughs> Except, as we discuss, rebels can do whatever they want to do. Oh, you know, it's a powerful, powerful tendency. A lot of times people are like, well, what's the best tendency or the most successful tendency or the happiest tendency? And really what you see is all these tendencies include people who are wildly successful and also some people who are not quite so successful. Um, And what you see is that the ones who are the happiest and the most successful are the ones who have figured out how to harness the strengths and powers of their tendencies, all the tendencies have a lot of strengths and powers, and then also figure out workarounds for the weaknesses and limitations of their tendency.
1: And Gretchen, if people want to take a quiz to find out what their tendency is, uh, you have a quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com, and we should mention over 3 million people have taken this quiz and discovered their tendency.
0: Yeah, a lot of times you can tell from just the quick description, but some people like to take a quiz and get an answer, and that will give you a little report, and it's it's free and it's quick. So a lot of people have taken the quiz. When we get back, we'll talk about
1: how to apply the tendencies in the context of small business. But first, this break.
0: This episode is just one of many podcasts included in the Small Business Podference presented by Dell Technologies. This podcast conference has been created to encourage and inspire small businesses while covering topics like new business strategies, influencer marketing, and beyond. Learn from top names in the podcast world, like Jill Schlesinger from Jill on Monday, Rhett and Link of the Ear Biscuits, and many more. To find more participating podcasts, search Dell Technologies Small Business Podference on the Odyssey app, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at the end of this episode.
1: Gretchen, I absolutely love talking about how small business owners can use the tendencies mm, um, because yeah. there are so many ways with clients, yeah. with customers, coworkers, team members, for yourself. So how would you say an upholder could use the tendencies?
0: Okay, so what you want to think about if you're dealing with an upholder, whether you're the upholder yourself like me or you're dealing with an upholder, is you want to think, well, upholders are very good at execution. They don't need a lot of supervision. They don't need a lot of accountability. So in that sense, they're very easy to work with. But they can be very rigid. They have an idea of how things are supposed to go. And they can get very focused on the rules and the right way to do something. And they can also feel very uneasy if something isn't exactly on schedule even if it doesn't matter. So you may say to yourself, well, oh, why is the client seem so uneasy about the fact that we're a few days off when in fact we still have plenty of time? Well, if you're dealing with an upholder, a lot of times they can get very focused on the way thing is supposed to be and what the plans are. And they they often, and I say this as an upholder myself, they find it hard to be flexible. They find it difficult when things are a little bit ambiguous, when it's not, clear what the right way forward is, what the rules are. I often find that I'm the person in the room that's always saying, like, let's go over the rules or I don't (laughs) understand exactly what I'm supposed to do. But people are like, just you can just figure it out as we go. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have to understand it all up front. So if you're dealing with somebody, I will say the word rigid often (laughs) comes up (laughs) with the folders. You might understand that that is where that behavior is coming from and just understand that you don't want to argue them out of it. You just want to explain, oh, I hear what you're saying. Let's figure out how to work through this. Yes,
1: because the wonderful thing about an upholder is they'll always come through on their promise. So you get a lot out of a person who's an upholder as well.
0: But they can be judgmental yeah. and then be, and get irritated if things don't always go exactly as planned. And in this world, a lot of times things don't go exactly as planned. And you just want to understand like an upholder might struggle with that more, whereas someone like a questioner would be like, well, this doesn't really matter because in the end it's fine, whereas the upholder is just sort of uneasy. And what about
1: questioners, Scratch? If you have a small business, how should you think about the questioners in your world?
0: Well, there's two ways to think about it, depending on whether you're dealing with a question or you're the question yourself. So one thing I would say for people to be aware of, let's say you deal you're dealing with a client and you're starting to feel defensive because the client keeps asking question after question after question, and you're like, Don't you trust my judgment? Or maybe this person is undermining my position. Or maybe you, you're getting impatient because a customer you feel like is slowing down the process. You're trying to move forward and they keep throwing new questions into your path and you think, well, why is this person being a bottleneck? And one thing to realize is that for questioners, that's how they get on board with something. They really have to believe this is the right way, that decisions are being made for sound reasons. And you may feel drained and overwhelmed by questioners' questions. Many people will say that <laughs> that happens. And I think if you're on the questioner side, you might want to think, well, is somebody? does somebody seem to be getting drained or impatient because I'm asking too many questions? So, Do I want to ask those questions in a more constructive way? Maybe I want to write them down instead of putting them on a conference call where everybody's having to sit through it. You want to be aware that some people have a much higher degree of interest in questions and answers than other people. I do
1: think as someone who changes jobs a lot because I'm a TV writer and so the job changes and it's sort of like a new small business every time, thinking that someone's a questioner, knowing they're a questioner, does relieve a lot of the irritation of their constant
0: questions. Because often it's really helpful because they're the ones that are like, let's not waste our time, energy, or money, but it can also feel overwhelming. But And I will also say that I think this is very, very relevant to small business owners if you are a questioner, you can fall into analysis paralysis. Mm. And this is when the desire for perfect information makes it hard to move forward or to make a decision. So you're sort of like, well, what software should I use? I, you know, I want a new accounting software. You could spend an infinite amount of time researching that because by the time you finished your research, there'd be a whole new set of things that yes. have come on. So if you feel yourself getting pulled into that draining endless. And and sometimes it's very satisfying um, and that can make it a temptation. Hmm. But when it becomes inefficient, that's what you want to remind yourself as a questioner, you know, because efficiency is such a high value. You want to say it's not efficient for me to just keep researching. I need to set limits like I'm going to research five, but not 15. I want to set deadlines. I'm going to make a decision by the end of the week. I want to use a trusted authority. I know this team. I know this other company that does that does similar work and they've had really good experience with this software so I can be guided by their judgment and their experience. I don't feel like I have to figure everything out for myself. So that can help you put limits on analysis paralysis.
1: Yes, you might delegate that choice to someone you trust yeah. and then just know
0: it'll work out.
1: Yeah. Okay, Gretch, obligers. Many many people are obligers.
0: Yes. We all have to be very aware of obligers because they are a big tendency. You either are an obliger or you have many obligers in your life. And the key thing to remember about obligers is they need accountability. So if you're dealing with someone, it might be helpful to say something like, well, I'll give you a call in two weeks to check in. That creates accountability because they know, okay, someone's going to be checking in on me in two weeks.
1: And deadlines, Gretchen. An obliger needs a deadline. So you may think, oh, I'll do it in your own time. I trust you. Yeah. I respect you. But in fact, that obliger wants a deadline. I know I need a deadline. I don't, you know, it just from anybody, I need a deadline.
0: And you can work with the person to set a deadline. If you're worried about how will they take it? You could say, what's the right time frame here? Yeah. But you want to always make sure that that accountability is there and here's a thing to be very aware of, and I think this is something that often comes up with small business owners and obligers in general, if you are an obliger, which is obliger rebellion. Mm. And this is when you meet, 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 meet expectations, and then suddenly you snap and you say, this I will not do. And it can be small and funny, like I'm just not going to answer somebody's emails for two weeks, or it can be explosive, like I'm going to end a 30 year friendship, or I'm going to quit a job. And... The thing about Obliger Rebellion, you want to watch for yourself or in the people around you for this building resentment and anger, because when Obliger Rebellion hits, it's an explosion. Obligers often say they feel like they're acting out of character. It can have a lot of consequences. So if you're starting to feel that, you want to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I make things work better if I feel like I'm ignored or exploited or taken advantage of? How do I fix that? Because otherwise, maybe I'll fire one of my most important clients or maybe I'll do something that's very dramatic when I could have intervened earlier to maybe ward off that Obliger Rebellion.
1: And you want to ward it off in your employees, if you have employees, if you have someone
0: who you just go,
1: well, I know they'll do it, they'll do it, they'll do it, they'll do it, and you just go to them time and time again, Yes, that can backfire and, and cause that employee to have Obliger Rebellion. So you just want to be aware.
0: That is such a good point because obligers are often the star performers. They are the rock of the world. They are the one that people turn to. They are the ones that come through for you. But right, if you keep really pushing that person to the max or not distributing work equally so that one person, because they're just willing to say yes, ends up doing a lot more than their share, that lays the groundwork for obliger rebellion. And then you risk losing someone who's very, very valuable to you. So you want to be aware of that possibility.
1: All right. And then, Grudge, talk about rebels, because I think rebels are the trickiest tendency to uh, deal with.
0: They are. And you know what? One thing that I've noticed is that a lot of small business owners are rebels mm. because they don't like to work for someone else. And so they're like, I can do anything I want. So I'm going uh, to go off, start my own business, and I'll be wildly successful because I've decided that what I want is to be mm. very, very successful. And so everything that's required for that, I will do. But I do think that sometimes with the rebels, they can get into a situation where something is triggering the spirit of resistance, Mm. or they can be working with someone else, like a client or a customer, where somehow something that you're doing is triggering the spirit of resistance. And if you're encountering that, one of the things to remember is for rebels, they really want to do what they want. They want to choose the life that they're leading and everything that's happening, So if you get the feeling that someone's kind of resisting, like you're like, oh, I need this paperwork back from you, and you feel like they're not giving it to you, one of the things that you could remind them is, I am doing what you want. In a way, I am you. I am doing your bidding. I am doing this because this is what you want. The more you can remind them that you're giving them what they want, the more cooperative they will be. Another thing that can work is information consequences choice. This Mm -hmm. is when you give a rebel the information they need, you tell them the consequences of their action and inaction, and then you just let them decide what to do without reminders, without nudging, without hinting, without rescue. So let's say, again, you're working with a rebel who wasn't getting, you you know, you're like, you're my client, I want to give you the best service possible, but you're not getting me the forms that I need so I can't move forward. You might say something like, you know, if I have this form by Wednesday, I can su- submit it by the end of the week and then you can avoid the late penalty. If the form comes in after Wednesday, that's going to be an extra $300 for you.
1: Mm, so then the person can choose, oh, I don't want to pay
0: $300, so I want to get this form in now. It's for me. Right, or I don't want to and I'll pay the $300. But by telling them the the consequences and, and presenting it as, this is for you to decide. I don't know what you want. I'll do it either way, or it's up to you to, to do it. Because the thing is, a lot, sadly, a lot of times the other three tendencies get in the way of the rebel. Because by mm-hmm. nudging them and reminding them, we kind of ignite that spirit of resistance, even though we're trying to be helpful. And, w- and once you know that you're dealing with a rebel, you can say, oh... I'm going to let you do this in your own way. Let me just make sure that I'm giving you the information that you need to make the choice that's going to work for you.
1: Yeah, so a rebel can still be a great person to work with. You just have to make sure you don't trigger that spirit of resistance.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what and you know, that's what I would say is I think the four tendencies, all of them have strengths, all of them have weaknesses. The weaknesses are usually like the very mm. strengths. Like an <laughs> upholder is really good on execution, that's what makes them rigid. Questioners are really questioning, that's what makes them over question, et cetera. And so I think it's really helpful to think about this because I think it helps us to show more empathy towards ourselves, like Oh, why is it that everybody else can use a to-do list, but I can't? What's wrong with me? It's like, there's nothing wrong with you. A lot of times rebels don't like to use to-do lists. A lot of times obligers like to use to-do lists instead of to-do lists. That's okay. A lot of people are in the same boat. There's other ways to achieve an aim. And I think it can help us show empathy toward other people. Because like you were saying, when you're working with someone who's a questioner, you can Mm -hmm. say to yourself, oh, that's just a questioner being questioned. It's not like they're questioning my judgment or like, Saying, suggesting implicitly that we're all on the wrong path with this series of questions. They're just
1: doing their thing. That's just how they approach the world. Yes. Gretch, I think I need to take the quiz to work tomorrow and have everybody take it and Uh see exactly who I'm working with because I've just started a new job. So I think it would be helpful for all of us.
0: Do you suspect you know some of them? Definitely. There's a questioner I'm thinking of who I'm
1: like, oh, I should be more understanding of that questioner.
0: Well, that's it for this bonus episode of Happier. We hope that the Four Tendencies Framework is helpful to you at work and in life. Thanks to Dell Technologies, we were
1: happy to be included in the Dell Podfritz. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at
0: GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward.